Hello and welcome. Um, this is not what you're normally used to seeing because uh, the video that we had prepared for the podcast just was unusable because COVID is what it is and we're not in places where um, we can control the environment from animals and uh, internet buffering. So when I was trying to upload the video, I just realized it was it was not a quality that that could be used. And so um, today we're doing a scaled down version uh, with just me talking. I'm the writer, so at least I have a little bit of insight to the lesson. Um, but I will say, so next week and the week after for uh, lessons 12 and 13, we'll have our normal podcast. Uh, but during the summertime, uh, because of responsibilities and and and, and life, uh, we're going to probably be at this format where it's just me running through the lessons, uh, giving some thoughts on what you could uh, explore in your teaching or whatnot. And then in the fall, uh, we're working on some things to try to make this a little bit more interactive and uh, to expand it. Uh, so I hope we're working on some stuff. And so uh, hang in there. Um, but for the summer, it's going to be kind of a scaled down thing. And so, but I do want to thank everybody for your, uh, all your emails and, and your text and, and comments that this has been a good thing. Um, so hang in there. We're going to make it better. But for the summertime, I'm going to scale it down to uh, just kind of like what we're doing today, just to run through the lesson, 15, 20, maybe 25 minutes of just some explanations and thoughts. So our lesson today is going to be lesson 11, May 16th is what it's going to it's when we're going to be teaching it uh, it's uh, from galatians chapter 3 entitled unity in christ so let me have a prayer for illumination almighty god holy <laughs> almighty god holy and gracious god may your holy spirit give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that with eyes of our heart enlightened we may know the hope to which christ has called us the riches of his glorious inheritance among us and the greatness of his power for those who believe. Amen. That's based on Ephesians chapter 1, 17 through 19. And the scripture selection is Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14, and then 23 through 29. Um, and our memory verse is, there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's Galatians 3, 28. For the introduction, uh, I, I use this illustration from history. Uh, in 1948, President Harry Truman signed what was Executive Order 9981, and what it did was integrate the armed forces. Again, that was some years before uh, Topeka versus the Board of Education, and so the Army or the, mil the armed forces were kind of the first institution in America to uh, abolish any type of separation or segregation based on race. Um, now, as good as that was, nothing changed uh, for for a couple of years because people hold on to their prejudices and their their privileges and entitlements and things like that. And so Conrad Crane, who's the director of the U.S. Army Military History Institute in Pennsylvania, uh, said this uh, after when the Korean War started, uh, that kind of forced uh, integration. He says. When your life depends on your buddy, the color of their skin tends to be less important. It's how good they are. Both the Army and Marine Corps integrated because of the Korean War. And so um, the reason why I use that is because basically what happens, the, the diversity is not easy, right? It's just not easy at all. 
And really the only way it's achieved is if you can find a common goal or a common purpose to work toward. And then when you have diversity, uh, you, you begin to strengthen that, that uh, effort to achieve that common goal. So in war, it's victory, or probably more particularly, it's to not die. And so you work with one another in the hopes that that desire to live or that desire to win uh, overcomes any barriers that would keep you separated otherwise. And this is what then Paul is doing in Galatia. In Galatia, he says, there's this vision of Christ, of being baptized and clothed and in Christ and in the family of God that is greater than the barriers that we have on this earth, be it slavery or free, Jew or Gentile, male or female. Ultimately, the Christian vision of unity and diversity comes from Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, and you read this. They sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slaughtered, and by your blood you ransomed for God saints from every tribe, language, people, and nation, and you have made them to be a kingdom of priests serving our God, and they will reign on earth. That's a powerful vision. I mean, wouldn't everybody want to see that in their life? It's a vision of all people, races, nations coming together to, to glorify God. So that's the message that Paul's trying to give the people of Galatia. So far as the exploring the scripture, the historical and contextual setting, we've said in a previous lesson, Galatians is kind of a uh, who exactly knows what that area was or intended to be. But um, one thing we know for sure was around Persia uh, in 330 BC, Alexander the Great conquered that area. Okay. And so uh, he brought with him uh, Greek philosophy. Uh, Alexander the Great was tutored by Aristotle, great, you know, Western philosopher. And so the Persian area with the Galatians and all that became very Hellenized, which means they accepted and not only accepted, but promoted Greek thought. And Aristotle was the, the main man, if you will, back then. Uh, but Aristotle had some things that reinforced uh, this systematic, you know, elitism or classism, whatever you want to call it, racial, um, racial thoughts. And so one of the things that Aristotle, so Aristotle, again, was the teacher of Alexander the Great. Now, Alexander the Great took these ideas uh, along with him when he conquered the world. One of the things that Aristotle wrote was that people by nature were slaves. There were some people, uh, the exact quote is, those who are, those who are as different from other people as the soul from the body or man from beast, they are in the state in this state if their work is the use of the body. And if this is the best they can they can come from, then they are by nature slaves. For them it is be better, it is better to be ruled in accordance with this sort of rule. And then later on he writes that women are by, by are defective by nature, and the female is, as it were, a deformed male. So on the Gentile side, this Hellenized culture is thinking in terms of slavery and in terms of prosperity. They're thinking in terms of male and female and the power dynamics that go along with that. On the flip side, there were also some Jewish settlements and, and uh, synagogues in that area. And they had their own kind of system of pride and arrogance. Um, so one of the, and still practiced to this day, is what's called the morning blessings right? It's, a, it's three, 
three pronunciations of blessings, kind of in a negative way, where back then a Jew would recite this prayer. Thank you, God, for not making me a woman, a Gentile, or a slave, right? And, and it's probably in its essence, it's not as harmful as it sounds, but it, then it became that way. It became a source of pride and barriers between uh, the Jewish folk and their understanding of equity, if you will. But it's in this setting then that Paul writes the words, therefore in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female. So it's a revolutionary message and it's very subversive uh, at the time. So anyway, that's the setting. Now going to the digging deeper section. Galatians 3.16 isn't included in the in the scripture text that's printed, uh, but it is in the passage, and it's crucial to understanding Paul's argument to the Galatians. He's talking about Jewish heritage, Jewish customs, uh, the importance of the law in regards to the Gentile converts to the faith. So anyway, Galatians 3.16 says this, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say into offsprings as of many, but it says into your offspring, that is to one person, who is Christ. So the amazing part about this is what Paul does is go back to the very, very beginning. The, the, the first message of the gospel or promise of the gospel is in Genesis chapter 3, uh, 15, which is what scholars call proto-evangelum, which is the first, first gospel message, right? And in it, it's when God is pronouncing the curses uh, for disobedience, he says that the serpent will be struck you know, the, the serpent will strike the uh, heel of Eve, but the offspring of Eve will crush the head of the serpent. And so that's, that's the ultimate victory and the ultimate promise at the very beginning. But what Paul does is pick up the argument uh, in Genesis chapter 15, right? So in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham's unhappy that he's still childless, but God promises and, he, he, and God tells Abraham, look toward the heaven and count the stars so shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed the promise, and then God considered that belief righteousness, right? Then you move on to Genesis chapter 22. Abraham has a child, Isaac, but God came, you know, God tested Abraham and told Abraham to offer up Isaac, Isaac as a sacrifice, and Abraham was obedient. And right before, of course, Abraham kills or sacrifices Isaac, God stops him and says, because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you. I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies. And by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. So that's what Paul picks up, and he says it's not offsprings, not your Jewish, not because you were physically descended from Abraham. You are not the offspring which God was talking about in the promise to Abraham. Instead, God was talking about you as physical descendants of Abraham, bringing in the blessing of that offspring, which is Jesus Christ. And then through Jesus Christ, uh, all the nations and people of the earth are brought into this promise of Abraham. So for the Judaizers in Galatia, the law and its customs, such as circumcisions and being a Jew and the dietary restrictions and all that stuff, um, signified that they were the chosen people, but they in themselves were not the blessing. Jesus Christ was the blessing. So, um, so Paul would say it's not becoming 
Jewish and accepting all these practices. It's becoming a Christian, and through Christ, you receive these promises. And then the other thing that Paul says is that the law that you're trying to make these Gentiles um, yeah, follow, uh, that's not the intention of God. The intention of God is to live by the Spirit, not by the law. So Paul in Galatians 3, 23 through 26 describes the laws imprisoning or guarding and disciplining uh, people until a greater time comes, until we become children of God in Jesus Christ. And so that's, that's the argument that Paul's making. First, it's not being Jewish. It's not the law. It's not circumcision that signifies a good relationship or being physical descendants of Abraham. It's those who come by faith through the offspring of Abraham, which is Jesus Christ. And so through faith in Jesus Christ is how you become part of the family of God, not being born as a child of Abraham physically. All right, so then learning from the scripture. Um, all right, this is tough. So this was written during the summertime, um, last summer, uh, when George Floyd and the protest and, and the protest over statues and all these things and our world was becoming very divisive uh, right in front of our face, uh, more divisive uh, in, in many ways. Paul is writing to a divided culture. The Jews could not accept the Gentiles. Even Peter stumbled in this, and the Gentiles were not accepting the Jewish folks. And so uh, the message of Paul rings true for us today. And so Paul offers um, a way of unity that may not be acceptable. I don't know. We'll see. But one thing that um, I know that we can't do, in the Roman world, politics were not going to achieve uh, uh, a unity in the faith, at least. Uh, Christ says, my kingdom is not of this world. So if we try to use politics, whatever political platforms, whatever it may be, um, while, while politics and governments can be instrumental in creating a more equitable or just society, politics and political agendas cannot transform human hearts. The best they can do is act as a law to restrain us from treating people awful. So there's a the Romans wouldn't be able to, in, to ensure equality between male or female, slave or free, Jew or Greek, and neither can the politics do that now. Next, human will and, and our intellect won't change the world, right? So um, no matter how uh, enlightened we think we are, um, our intelligence will not change our human hearts. Obviously, look at our world today. Technology has done a very great job in a lot of ways. Our human intellect has raised lots of people from poverty, but we're still stuck in division and we're still stuck in hate and we're still stuck in, in tribalism. And what human will or power or intellect does is usually drive us deeper into our tribes. So that can't do it. And then we have, you know, defending our privileges or or talking about our victimizations real or perceived that leads us down the further rabbit hole and so what what i write in here is that uh, people who insist on their privileges continue to divide because the world cannot offer redemption forgiveness uh, or the power to be transformed like um and this is a difficult thing so when i talk about when you become a Christian, 
your your heritage isn't your earthly past instead it's that you are now part of the kingdom of god so remember when paul in philippians writes if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh i have more circumcised on the eighth day a member of the people of israel of the tribe of benjamin a hebrew born of hebrews as to the law a pharisee as to zeal i persecuted the church as to righteousness under the law blameless here's the key yet whatever gains i had these I have come to regard as a loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as a loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. So our, our passionate pursuit of Christ and our passionate pursuit of God trumps all of our desires for these earthly things that separate us or things that we could take pride in even the good things as paul said are rubbish compared to the surpassing knowledge of jesus christ and then finally christians have to realize we're not members of this world we don't belong to any human institution here we're not part of tribes on this earth we are part and citizens of the kingdom of heaven we're strangers passing through and so if we allow ourselves to get in traps about arguing whether these symbols of, of our earthly heritage are of great importance, we've already lost a little bit. And then if we go into movements that steer us away from the proclamation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the source of transformation and salvation, then we lose the power of the gospel. The proclamation and the, Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit brings people to Christ, transforms them to where we can let go. The, the things of this world go strangely dim in the light of God's glory and grace, if you will. Um, so think about that. And that's a hard lesson. That's hard. That's def, de definitely difficult. And, you know, it's, it's tough, but it is what it is. And the applying the scripture uh, section, I talk about uh, St. Francis of Assisi. This is a person who was born in privilege in every way, shape, or form. Uh, but he ran from his father's house naked and he wanted to spread the gospel because he instinctively knew and he can he was convicted that it was the gospel of the prince of peace that would bring peace and unity and dignity to people in the world and that was the only thing that saint francis thought could transform the human heart and mind so there's a prayer that's attributed to him and i think probably the most famous person or politician who has said it lots of them have but this is what Margaret Thatcher um, recited when she was elected as prime minister the first time. But anyway, he wrote, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I, that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. So ultimately, when we're called into Christ, we're called to, to, to see this world, our past and our histories and our privileges and all the things that have hurt us as secondary to the all-surpassing knowledge of Christ. 
when you lay down privileges, you can pick up a cross. You can seek one another's interest above yourself and you can seek to love as to be loved or to console as to be consoled and so on and so forth. And it's a hard teaching, uh, but it's a good one. And this is the vision of unity that Paul gives to a very divided Galatian culture. And I hope um, that we can also use the same message of the gospel of peace, the love of God, the love of Christ, uh, to seek reconciliation and unity um, among both the church and the world today. So again, thank you. Sorry, this is the scaled down version because, well, technology is terrible uh, when it doesn't work. And so thank you for, again, all the encouragement, notes, and emails and texts that I've received. It's, it's been fun. Uh, so thanks. And may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you, may turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.